community engagement for me, um, and it's it's not a not a public definition. It's just my yeah. personal definition is really looking to the future. Like, what do I want my city and my community to be, and how can I lean in and really help that happen? And having these dream coaches that are on staff, that are part of our organization, that are embedded in our culture, that are helping people accomplish their dreams, um, I think is really key to happiness and success. And so, I mean, our mission statement in our company is to protect assets and make a difference. And I talk about it, it's seven very simple words, but if you think about it, the first three words talk about the businesses that we're in. It's the last four words that talk about the type of company we want to be. This is the Proco 360 podcast for people who love Colorado and love hearing from Colorado's most inventive and successful entrepreneurs. I'm Dave Tabor. This episode is motivated by my years of observation of my guest, Rob Cohen, chairman and CEO of IMA Financial Group. IMA has grown both organically and through acquisition to be one of Colorado's and really the region's largest providers of business insurance and financial services. Now, don't let that scare you off. The reason I've been looking forward to this episode is that Rob seemingly has built his company while personally leaning into community service. He's a board member of at least nine civic and philanthropic organizations that include I Have a Dream Foundation and the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Foundation. There are too many to go through the whole list, but he's also growing the team based on an award-winning culture. So basically, we're here today to dig in with Rob about how one builds a business this way and that maybe nice guys don't finish last after all. So Rob, glad you could join me. Thank you. 360. Super great to be here. Yeah. So let's start with, you know, I gave a quick overview of IMA. Um, why don't you give us a quick one and then I'm going to jump right into these whole, the whole topic I've laid out. Well, IMA Financial Group is an integrated financial services company. So we do retail insurance brokerage, wholesale insurance brokerage, money management, we have an insure tech startup company and a number of different things that uh, we're pretty proud of. But basically, it's a financial services company. Cool. Now, this whole culture of giving back in the communities in which you live and work, I mean, some would say that the role of business is to create value and then let those who gain from the value contribute back into the communities and let business do business, let people do people, right? Mm -hmm. That's a different philosophy than you have. Absolutely. And I've heard that debate a million times yeah. and debated it with friends and fellow CEOs as well. So where's your philosophy come from? Well, my philosophy is that um, there's not right or wrong. There's just different. And, um, and for me, it's about an alignment of values. And so one of my values for me is this giving back. And I can kind of talk about where that came from in my life. But there was an alignment of that with what I do in business. And so for me, separating the two doesn't make sense. For me, bringing the two together absolutely is something that we should do. Yeah. my I, I'm going to ask you about where it came from in just a minute. But like I grew up in a family of insurance. Actually, my grandfather started an insurance agency in Buffalo, New York, and he was like super involved in the community. And it seems like, is it, is it the insurance business? Is that the I, thing or? I don't think it's necessarily any one business. If you look at community giving across our community, it comes from every sector, every kind of individual. There are just certain people that are either wired that way or feel that that's the need for them to, to create value. And so, um, you know, yeah. I don't know that it's just our business. Okay. Well, well, talking about creating value, though, I mean, it has created value for the community, but it's also, I mean, would you say it's helped your company grow? 
Oh, there's no question. I mean, I tell people that those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. And, you know, if you give in the community and that benefits your organization because people have brand awareness or they know you as an individual or they like you or whatever, that mm -hmm. that doesn't have to be a bad thing. If you're doing community service primarily to get business, yeah. then I think people will see through that very quickly and notice that. But if you're giving to the community because you have a passion around the community and you have a passion in making a difference and that benefits your company, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and it seems to me it would also have an impact on employee culture. No question. I mean, and I think the employees that we attract and ultimately retrain are those that care a lot about the culture, care a lot about the community, and that's a big aspect of why they want to be a part of the IMA Financial Group. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier that you could talk about where these values come from. So sure. now it's time. Talk yeah. about where these values came from. Well, you know, we're all just... Um, products of the experiences that we have throughout our lives, right? And and people come into your lives and have um, make impressions on you and, and, and they last. And probably the people who make the biggest impression on you are your mom and dad or your parents. And, um, and for me, you know, I grew up in one community for 18 plus years. And when I was a little kid, my mom would make my sister and I sit down after we went out trick-or-treating for Halloween and she would have us divvy up our candy. Um, uh, and we would have one pile and then we would create an equal second pile. And one pile was for us and we were allowed, you know, when she said it was okay uh -huh. to be able to have candy. But the other the other pile we put in bags and we took in those days what they called orphanages and we took them to the orphanage for kids that weren't allowed to go trick-or-treating. And we did the same thing um, at Christmas when we wanted to make a list for the new toys that we wanted. Then we would um, we'd have to go through our toys and decide which ones we're going to give away. And same drill. And so you do these things over a period of years, and and there's this nature of giving back that kind of becomes ingrained in who you are and what you do. And so this Christmas, Christmas when you got toys, you'd ask for what you wanted, and then. You'd have new toys you'd give away right away? No, we'd have the toys the toys that we were done with. I see, yeah. From yep. either the previous year or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, even before, you know, Santa Claus came or Christmas Day came, mm -hmm. we were we were really asked to go through, well, which toys would you give up if you mm -hmm. got these new toys? Wow. And so that they would then be taken before Christmas and be given to those kids on Christmas morning. That's cool. Now what about observing your parents in action? Did that did you do that? And did, were they involved? And in yeah, and my dad, my dad was involved in the community and and giving back, and that's one of the advantages of living someplace for eighteen plus which years. Which was Wichita, Kansas, is where I grew mm -hmm. up, and mm -hmm. and then um, you know, and then later in my life, I've made eleven physical moves in nine years. Um, and, uh, you know, going to college and then career, starting my career, moving from city to city in those days, it was pretty normal. If you went to work for a fortune 500 company and they yeah. asked you to move to another city, you just packed up and went. Yep. Um, and in some ways that was good. Some ways mm -hmm. that was bad. But, um, when I moved to Denver and was going to start, um, IMA here in Denver, um, what I realized was I'd had a lot of success in my career, but this aspect of community, this aspect of what was like a home to me was missing. Hmm. And uh, so from day one, it was like, I need to get involved with the community and really make a difference. Wow. So some people talk about giving back. 
some people talk about community involvement. You just not getting, getting, I mean, is there a difference between sort of community engagement and this notion of giving back? Are they one in the same? Um, I think it's, it's the definition of what you're trying to do. I mean, community engagement for me, um, and it's, it's not a, not a public definition. It's just my yeah. personal definition is really looking to the future. Like what do I want my city and my community to be and how can I lean in and really help that happen? Um, none of us can do that alone, but collectively as a, as a community, we can really make substantial changes. Where giving back is more like I've been blessed. And so I give financial resources or I'm going to help yeah. somebody individually, you know, the whole pay it forward concept, somebody helped me, so I'm going to help them. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's just the way I look at the difference yeah, yeah, between yeah. giving back and community engagement. And usually they go hand in glove. Yeah. Usually if you're engaged in the community, you're probably giving back. Yeah, I, I think that I think that likely makes sense. But we hear these terms, you know, yeah. oh, and yeah. we also have the pay it forward. We have you know these different terms. Yeah, we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Maybe, but I think it's also <laughs> probably, you know, maybe there's there's only two flavors: is the authentic and perhaps the inauthentic or mm -hmm. the agenda oriented. Correct. But you can have an agenda that is about making your community better. That's more vision. And it's not about self-service. Absolutely. And, and again, I talked about being products of the experiences that we have. I moved to Denver, and I think it was Fortune Magazine, came out the very next week with the headline was, Hard to Fall When You're Lying on the Floor, Denver, mm. the Worst Economy in America. Oh. Um, and it was right after one of our bus cycles, because this community was very much a boom and bus, you know, cycle community yeah, yeah. around the energy. Yeah. Um, business. And so as the energy business went up, the bit, the community went up and as the energy business went down, so did the community. And so, um, that had an impact on me where I said, we've got to diversify our, our economy. We've got to broaden it. We've got to create where we're out of these boom and bust cycles. Yeah. So were you part of that core that said, uh, that started to attract tech that started to attract other things? I don't know if I would say I'm part of the core, but, you know, I just leaned into projects where I felt like these were things that were important to our, to our city that, that could make a difference and really start to move us in a different way. But, you know, I was certainly part of the downtown Denver partnership when Denver startup week started and other organizations as you know, they, they, they begin to make their mark on yeah. our community. So as you, I mean, community engagement that, actually drive sort of that hand in glove uh, sort of growth where, you know, the more engaged, the more you see people attracted, the more you grow your business and it all works together. I mean, how long does that, like, how long does that take before what you, your passion about getting engaged actually started to reflect in business growth? Yeah. Kind of I mean, I would say that um, the really cool thing about Denver for anyone who moved moves here. Many of the people from here are from other communities, yeah. um, and um, and there's always been this openness um, to allowing people, if you want to engage, to engage. And you know, you just in in Denver, you just have to raise your hand, and you can get involved mm. as yeah. as little or as deep a, as you want to. I I hear from young people today that it's a little harder today, but I lived in cities like Dallas and New York City and other places where if you didn't have the right job title or the right last name, 
it was very hard to get engaged in the community yeah. um, and, and to give back. Not that it was impossible. You yeah. could do that there too. But here it's a very open community. And so I, you know, I felt like pretty quickly after I raised my hand, I was yeah. seeing real results, not from my work as alone. I was just one person leaning into a group or committee. And it was that group or committee that was making a substantial difference. Okay. I got to ask you a crass question, mm -hmm. Rob. So while you were doing these things, you were sitting in committees, you were on early boards, your company was just growing, not very, yeah, I mean, obviously things start slow and then they, they grow. But I mean, were you ever thinking in those rooms, like who you could do business with? Um, well, I talked about this earlier. I think um, they, um, they're, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like I said, right. if you if you sit on that committee or in that board and all you're doing is looking around the room and trying to figure out how you can do business, then the people in that room are quickly going to figure out, you know, Rob's not here to really help with mm -hmm. the committee work. Rob's here to further his business or his career. And it won't work well. But if you're there because you're passionate about the mission of the committee or what they're doing, yes, it's a natural aspect that you become friends or you get yeah. to know people or you have relationships that you then can turn around and, and use to help grow your business. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then can you think back early on, because now you're involved in so many things, but early on when you started getting sure. connected to the community, what were what was like one thing you look back on and say, gosh, that brought me so much joy? Oh, um, you know, it, it takes a while for you to realize that you should only do things you're passionate about. Like I tell young people, like first and foremost, think about things you're passionate about and then lean into those. Cause if you get involved in things that you're not passionate about, you know, it won't work well for you and, 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 and others. But, um, I would say most of the things I've leaned into because I was passionate about them, they bring me a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. But I mean, obviously my involvement in sports and what I've done with the Denver Sports Commission, et cetera, because that's near and dear kind of to my heart and my growing yeah. and up. And the objective of that is? to There's a number of objectives. One, it's to attract events to utilize the community assets that we've all leaned in to build. It's to create um, brand awareness of our community outside. But most importantly, when we host an event in Denver and I sit in the stands or am part of the the event itself, I just look around and see our citizens coming out and having fun with their families and their friends and enjoying each other and 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 enjoying the aspect. And I think, man, this is just so awesome. Yeah. And then obviously there's an economic develop I mean economic sure, impact sure. that is created from hosting events that allows us to do other things, yeah. whether it's education or roads or whatever it is. Which that, was your favorite event? Oh I, it's like asking me what is my favorite I child. Know, I know. But... And uh they're they're all my favorite. Um but some of the bigger events, I mean obviously all the all-star games that we've hosted to yeah. major league baseball, NBA, NHL all-star games, um, the women's final four, the hockey frozen four, um, the men's final four wasn't part of the sports commission when I got here, but it was mm. the first event that I hosted in this city. And it was, uh, people probably don't even remember it. It was the last time the f men's final four was hosted oh. in a small arena. Now it's all been in a big arena. Yeah. So these are, I guess I didn't realize that, but these kinds of events that are drawn into Colorado, drawn into, into Denver, these are orchestrated by community engaged business leaders as much as it is government officials? Oh, there's no doubt about it. In fact, what 
caused me to want to start the sports commission in Denver because um, one had existed before and then kind of folded and um, there, there wasn't one at the time was we had just finished building uh, what's now called Empower Field, but mm-hmm. at that time was Invesco and uh, or Mile High Stadium, depending yeah, on, that's on right. how, how it's you... It's still Mile High Stadium. I know how you way. look at yeah, it. Yeah, Some yeah. people have never given yeah. that that title up, but yeah. but um, we had just spent the taxpayers' money to build um, the stadium, and then I heard through the grapevine that the Big 12 wanted to bring the football championship to Denver. And make a long story short, it went to a number of community organizations, to the, to the, the mayor of the city, to the Broncos, et cetera. And nobody really owned submitting the bid. Mm. So we never submit a bid. And it really kind of bugged me that we just used taxpayer money to build this stadium. And now we had a chance to have an economic return on that from people who don't necessarily live here. That would have been a really cool event for this community. And nobody took the time to bid on it. And so I, you know, pulled people together and formed the sports commission with the whole objective of now we have an organization whose mission is to bid on, host, and bring events to wow, Denver. Wow, that's super cool. Take a quick break. You are listening to Proco 360, named Best Colorado Business Podcast the last three years. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the podcast for people who love Colorado and the stories of Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs. My guest is Rob Cohen, Chairman and CEO of IMA Financial Group. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, Kinsley Meetings. Kinsley Meetings is Proco 360's longest-running sponsor. You probably know Steve mm-hmm. and Allison. Yeah, the business, their business is growing based on a great reputation for planning and conducting meetings, all kinds of variables. And also, Via Technologies, thanks for hosting Proco 360. Your team gives me a ton of help around managing the website. Finally, Colorado Biz Magazine, our partnership is building our audiences together. Go to Proco360.com and check out these sponsors. All right. Rob, I want to shift gears. You said something earlier about that giving back, you know, either is part of your DNA or not part of your DNA, and yet you're building a company based on your your leaning into the community and setting sort of that as a cultural bedrock, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. So a couple of questions around that. One is, do you, first of all, believe that giving back is in your DNA or not? Can you be taught that? Um, I think, you, you know, I think you can be taught that. I mean, it's like, it's like the old question, you know, are leaders born or, yeah. or, or made? And, um, and I think the answer is both. I mean, some of it is your person, you know, every person in the world comes out with their personality and et cetera. But I still think there's ways you can learn to use your personality. And the same is true when you talk about kind of DNA around engagement. And, um, you know, some people are inherently scorekeepers, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know what I mean by that? It's like, yeah. I'm going to contribute so that, or if I, you know, so if someone's inherently a scorekeeper, can they learn through experience to become a generous giver back? Sure. I mean, my mom asked me all the time if it bugs me that I run a financial services company and it's all, <laughs> it's all about financial growth and, and profit and et cetera. And I say, mom, it's just the scorecard for the business that I'm in. And, um, and, you know, I use the analogy, it's like, you know, when you're, when your kid's in the third grade, you want them to move to the fourth grade. You don't meet people who say, my kid's in the third grade, it's going great. I want them to stay in the third grade forever. (laughs) And it's the same with business, right? You know, you want your business to grow. You want it to do better than it did the year before. So the scorecard is 
in my business is a financial metric. Yeah. Um, but that's very different than kind of the, the, the reward and the inner um, celebration that you get from community engagement and giving. Uh, so talk about that, about well, this reward and inner, what did you call it? Inner, you know, this, 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 this inner feeling that you get from, from, from doing that. And, and so, I mean, our mission statement in our company is to protect assets and make a difference. And I talk about it, it's seven, seven very simple words. But if you think about it, the first three words talk about the businesses that we're in. Mm -hmm. It's the last four words that talk about the type of company we want to be. Yeah. And we want to be a company that makes a difference for our clients. We want to make a difference for the associates and their family that works there. And we want to make a, a difference for the communities that we live and work in. And it's it's part of who, who we are. And so it's those two things together. One creates the financial reward. One creates the inner you know, reward and, yeah. and happiness that you create by having that feeling. Yeah. Now, in order to achieve that, you've got to have employees team mem members beyond you who believe in this. Mm -hmm. Is that part of your hiring process? Do you try to hire people who share those values? In the early days, we did. Um, so in the early days, we actually had a contract with our employees where they would actually sign the contract that says that they're willing to give so many hours back to the community, et cetera. And instead of doing it on their personal time, they would do it on the work time and we would create ways for them um, to do that together. Now it's such a part of our culture and who we are and, and what we do that, hmm. no, I think, I think there are people who come to us because of that. I think there are people who are attracted to us once they learn about that in the process. And there's mm -hmm. people who come to us because they're great at what they do. Huh. That wasn't part of who they were. And then when they get there, they see the fun and joy and what's happening around that. And they want to lean in. So you are converting some folks who maybe hadn't lived that before, but learned to appreciate it and, and I embrace so. it. That's I hope so. Cool. That's got to be gratifying in its own way. Oh yeah. In many ways that maybe is the most gratifying mm. part, but, um, but you know, I mean, every, each and every one of us is in our own journey. Right. And so, yeah. Cause, Cause I was wondering that like, you've got 2000 employees roughly, right? Uh, it's almost 2,500 now. All right. Uh, and so I thought, well, either you found the 2,500 people who love insurance and financial <laughs> services in the world, or something else attracted you them to IMA. Mm -hmm. So what's, like, is your recruit, are you recruiting or are they mostly finding you? Well, I'd like to say it's both. Yeah. Um, and uh, in terms of, I mean, obviously we recruit employees and, you know, if we see somebody that we think is a difference maker and uh, that we can bring into our organization, we're going to, we're going to lean in and try to do that. But I also hope that they're finding us too yeah. through the, you know, hearing about our company or hearing about our culture or whatever it well, is. 91 net promoter score mm -hmm. uh, among your employees. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's uh, very gratifying. Yeah. I, you probably know Bill Grable. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, um, Bill once told me that because they're so service oriented, they want to hire people based on empathy, not based on skills. And I mean, I suppose something like that crosses your mind. Oh yeah. I mean, hopefully we're hiring for both. I mean, again, yeah, that's yeah. another place in my life where I would say they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can have mm -hmm. people who are really good at what they do and have the technical knowledge and the resource and the ability, but they're also empathetic, caring, thoughtful, kind people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had someone once tell me, you know, that 
you know, whatever class of employees, certain, you know, to be successful in this, you have to be hyper competitive or, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. hyper hard on people. And it's just part of, of being, playing that role in a company. And I've always said, I don't believe that. I think yeah. you can be that and also be kind and thoughtful. So no Wolf of Wall Street kind of financial services. <laughs> no Wolf of Wall Street, <laughs> but I'm I'm sure there's there's some of those people in our organization. Uh, now you've got 1,300 employees with stock ownership. Uh, it's a little more than that. Is it it's now almost 1,700 well, okay. employees? Yeah, and with stock ownership, how yeah. does that work? Well, I'm a big believer that um, that you know if I had my way, every employee would own shares in the company, and we're actually got a project underway to try to figure that out. Um, but, you know, if you think about our business, um, our business is a knowledge and service business, and both of those things are related to people. And so we yeah. want to attract and retain people. And I think the way you attract and retain the best people is by giving them a cut of the equity mm -hmm. of the company. And um, it creates, you know, greater alignment and also creates greater wealth opportunities for everyone involved yeah. instead of just the people at the top. I think that's cool. Now, I also wonder because... One of the things that attracts great talent, keeps great talent, is interesting work. Mm -hmm. I don't know much about, you know, what, what your people do. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, you know, people don't necessarily aspire to careers in insurance. No, they so don't. So there must be something, like, have you found, is it, once they get there, is it interesting and engaging? It must be. Well, I hope I hope, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> um, you know, um, I, I tell everyone, you know, if you, if you think about insurance... We sell a product that nobody wants to buy and nobody wants to use. How inspiring and, and is that? I know. And every and everyone laughs when yep, I say yep. when I say that, but I've never met anyone who says, you know, hey, can't wait to go buy insurance today yeah. or really can't wait to have a car accident on my way home to see how it works. Um, <laughs> but uh, and, and as an industry, we make the buying experience miserable and the using experience even worse. But if you think about what we do, what is inspiring is we're there for people at their greatest time of need. We're there when they are in a car accident or when their house burns down or they have a flood or they have a health issue that's going to change their lives. Um, and and we shouldn't be thought of as as something negative. We should be thought of something that's transforming actually people's lives and, and how they do that. And we... We as an organization can't change the fact that they don't want to buy and use insurance, but we can change the experience that they have. Yeah. And that's what we talk to our employees about. Change the experience they have when, they, when they're buying insurance and change the experience they have when they're using experience and make that, that event. They're going to remember, you know, this is our daily job that we do every day, but they're going to remember when you helped them with that fire or that car yeah. accident. Yeah. Um, and, so that becomes and I, a human touch point. And I do think that becomes inspiring. Yeah. And that, that does become transformational work. And, um, and if you think about every single person who does business with our, our company, hopefully is having a different experience yeah. and that we're changing the perception mm. or hopefully transforming how people think about an industry overall. Well, thanks for answering that. I was... I didn't know quite how to ask it. No, and it's I'm a great grateful, question. Grateful I get asked for the all the answer. time. Oh, dear. Okay. So talk about the dream coaches that uh -huh. you have yeah. within, within IMA. Well, I just, you know, just talking to our employees, I just realized that, you know, they, they both have dreams in terms of what they want to happen in their career, but they also have dreams that on what they, they want to have happen in their life. And, and I've shared this with a lot of people. I had a I had a coach in high school who once asked me if I had dreams, and I told him that I did. 
and he asked me to write them down and I wrote them down and, and the next day asked me to share them with him. And I did. And then he said, you know, tonight after practice, I'm going to have you share them with your teammates. Um, and he made me do that after practice. And the next day he called me in. He said, you're not very happy with me. And I said, no, sir, I'm not. And he said, why? And I said, because that was very uncomfortable. And he said, let me tell you why I asked you to do that. He said, everybody dreams. But less than, I don't remember the percentage, but a very small percentage of people ever act, ever act on their dreams. And if you actually write them down, they become goals. And if you share them with others, they become a passion because not only have you told someone you're going to do it, you now, you know, are kind of held accountable for it. But he said, more importantly, none of us can accomplish our dreams without the help of other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has just stuck with me. And so as I heard our employees talking about their dreams, I thought, if we have a dream coach here that really helps them write their dream down, share their passions with other people and have those people help them, the odds that they're going to accomplish whatever that dream is. Like, yeah. And we've had everything from hike the Colorado Trail from one end to the other, for, you know, um, jump out of an airplane, whatever. They're not all career related, but a mm-hmm. lot of them are career uh, related. And having these dream coaches that are on staff, that are part of our organization, mm-hmm. that are embedded in our culture, that are helping people accomplish their dreams, um, I think is really key to happiness and success. That's super cool. And you also said you'll have many careers, and this falls right into this, you'll yes. have many careers in your life. We want all of them to be at IMA. So how does that dovetail with someone's dream? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it dovetails very well. Because like I, especially young people today, you know, um, when they come out of school, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are today, but they're going to have seven, eight, maybe more careers in their lifetime. And, and I think that's awesome. But I just want them to say, hey, if, if it's not working for you and you want, you're ready to try something different, raise your hand and tell us. And we'll do everything we can to find that opportunity for you within IMA. And if we can't, we'll actually help you go find that opportunity somewhere else. Have you done that? We have done that. And, um, and you know, it's just funny. Like in the NFL, I always talk about this, that, that, you know, part of being a great head coach in the NFL is how many of your assistant coaches go on to be a head coach somewhere else. But in yeah. business, if your assistants go off to another company, you're, you know, it's seen as a negative on you. Like, why couldn't you keep, you know, Rob or whoever, whoever it was. But, but if you're really focused on helping people achieve their dreams, then you do that. And actually many of them will come back. But that's such a reflection, a positive reflection on the value you're adding to the world, right? I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you get one life to live and I want everyone to have the best journey they can have and to love what they do and to love the people they do it with. And if it's at our company, that's awesome. Yeah. But if it's not, I want you to go find it because, you know, you spend far too much of your time working in your career than, than other things. Yeah. Well, now how do you balance, um, Rob, as we're kind of winding down, how do you balance the your day-to-day life between running the company, serving the community, which probably requires you to put on a tuxedo every week. I mean, and then your personal not, life. Like, not how too do many you, tuxedos post-pandemic. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, how do you, right, how do you weave that together or, or don't you? Well, you, you try. Um, 
you know, I mean, if if you ask my family, they'd probably say, you know, he, uh, he talks about balance, but, you know, it's a hard <laughs> thing for him to do. But, yeah. you know, I had I, I had a mentor in my life who kind of talked to me about balance, and, and he, he had a huge impact on my life because one thing that he said is, you know, that, first of all, everyone seeks this utopian state where everything in your life is in perfect balance, right? Your personal life, your professional life, your spiritual life, your physical life, you know, all those things. And we shouldn't not pursue that because we all experience that. And when you do, it's, it's, it's super cool, right? Yeah, for the it, hour or yeah, two that yeah. it, <laughs> but that's the point. But then it, but then it, 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 it is short lived. So you better enjoy it while it's there because then we'll, we'll reach for the next time that that's going to happen. But he said, if you think about it more about a balance over your lifetime, mm. as opposed to a moment in time, yeah. then there, you know, there's times at night when you have to work on a proposal late. Um, and so it's going to take away from your family. And, but if you do that every night, you're going to lose your family. Mm -hmm. But if you recognize the fact that tonight I had to work on a proposal, so tomorrow is going to be date night, or I'm going to do something with my kids or go to their sporting, or even just be at home, then, um, then those things balance themselves out. And then the, the second thing he told me, and it's not a very flattering analogy, but he told me, you know, if you think of your life as a platter and on this platter we have all these balls that we're going to continue to put on there throughout our lives and if you're like any human you're going to keep putting more balls on there but physics will tell you you can only have so many balls on the plate and um and you can only have so many in the center and he said your biggest job rob is to recognize which balls are which because mm-hmm. on your plate you're going to have rubber balls that when they come off they'll bounce and you can quickly catch them and put them back on the plate you're going to have steel balls that when they come off, they're going to go thud and it's going to be harder than hell to bend down and pick it up without dumping the other balls mm-hmm. and get it back on the, on the plate. But you're also going to have glass balls that when they come off the plate, they're going to break and you're never going to get them back. Mm. And your job is to recognize which balls are which mm. so that there are times in my life where I got to let the rubber balls or steel balls go to keep yeah. the glass balls on the plate. And yeah. I'm not perfect. I haven't always done it. You know, I've had health issues and everything else where they're kind of wake up calls and you're like, okay, it didn't come off and broke, break, but it certainly got close. And, yeah. and um, you know, that's part of the human experience, right? But um, those two analogies have just stuck with me. So I'm about yeah. trying to have this balanced lifetime and yeah. make sure I know which balls are which. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I, as I reflect too, like early in my career, like there's also a timing thing. Like sometimes it's not a day this way, a day that way. It's months or even years early Absolutely. as we establish our lives, right? No question. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just like being a parent when your kids are little, they need you a lot more, but when your kids are older, they still need you. They just need you in a different way. Yeah. And, um, and the, you know, the same is true with work. You know, when you're starting a business, you know, when I was an office of one out here in Denver, Colorado, yep. it was a very different intensive process than it is today where we have a full office with a lot of people in it. Well, yeah. And you have to change your everything. I mean, when you're one or three or five, you know, everybody just does everything. Right. And then you turn into a delegator leader or something else, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a whole different journey, a whole different story, maybe another time. But I yeah. want to, I want to ask you this, you know, because the theme of Proco 360 is uh, world-class entrepreneurs who choose Colorado. I know you're now much bigger. Uh, you've expanded outside of Colorado. It's still well, my home. Yeah. What role did being in Colorado play in the growth, the startup growth, success, and so forth? Oh, I tell people to this day, a lot of what I do in this community is to pay this community back for 
transforming my life. I mean, in, in every aspect of, you know, as I said, I made all these moves and I came here and I kind of decided that I'm going to start this company. Mm. And, um, by the way, there was this pretty girl that I was interested in. That's now been my wife for 30 plus years. And, um, and you know, this is going to be my home. And, um, was she and, from Denver? Is that no? It? She's actually she's from Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, okay. I'm from Wichita, but you Kansas. put a stake in the ground here. We both came yeah. here, and and um, this is where we met, and this is where we decided to raise our family, and um, this is home to me. And um, and so what I wanted to do is make sure that this is is the best place to live and raise a family, not only in this state, but in this country, but in this world. Yeah, great. Now, last question for you. Okay. I mean, you've had a great ride so far. What, as you think about like what's coming next, what do you, what do you anticipate with the most joy, the most gratification? Um, you know, people laugh when I say this, but, um, you know, I talk about building a forever company and there's, there's different mindsets around business. you know, some is that I'm going to build something and sell it. But for me, the greatest gratification and joy is hopefully that I've created an organization that's not only going to make a difference in our clients' lives and in their families, but is going to continue into perpetuity um, and continue to give yeah. back to its communities. And if I do that, then I know that my life, my life's work made a, made a difference yeah. and mattered. Do you think at some point, well, at some point you will step away from running the, no question. From running the organization? It's the right thing to do. Yeah. It's the team. It's part of what's supposed to happen. Do you envision yourself kind of looking back, looking down, you know, Zeus on Mount Olympus or whatever? To sort of, I, I hope I'm looking up. <laughs> looking up. Uh, well, yeah, I don't mean that far down the line. But I mean, do you expect, do you, do you anticipate yourself just kind of watching IMA, uh, playing any role in IMA when you step, step aside? No, I think, um, you know, I, I've told, I've tell people this, you know, we've all seen organizations where, um, the people that were there hang on too long. We see it in sports. You see it in everything. And you yeah. also see people who leave too early. I think one of the magics is trying to get the timing right. And, you know, you want to leave the organization maybe when they're still wanting a little more of you, but before they're wondering when you're going to leave. Yeah. And, um, and so for me, when that time comes and it's clear for me that that transaction trend transition needs to take place, um, I don't. I don't think they're going to want the the past chairman and CEO standing there second guessing what they're doing. It'll yeah. just be my, you know. Hopefully, if I've done it right, their their turn to do the have the same joy that I had. Yeah, well, I think that's a good note to to wrap up on. I'm your host Dave Tabor. Today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Rob Cohen, chairman and CEO of IMA Financial Group. Rob, thanks. Yeah. What a great conversation. No, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Good. Listeners, glad you're here on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast. If you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit a review in your app. Thanks again to show sponsors via Technologies, Kinsley Meetings, and Colorado Biz Magazine. That's the show, Live, Work, Love Colorado.